0: have an expectation, Lord God, of what you're going to do. I pray that you speak that to us now, this morning. Amen. We're in a series for the theme of our year, which is Better Together. This theme was developed from our prophetic bulletin, through prayer last year, through our prophetic teams and our pastors and leaders. As we prayed, the Lord spoke to us. Our prophetic team put together a prophetic bulletin, which you all received in the mail. We also have it here again available, and it's available online for you to go through. And today, I want to preach through that prophetic bulletin, and it makes so much sense that, that the prophecies this morning are speaking of an expectation of what God wants to do with us. Prophecy, and that which is prophetic, speaks of the will of God, what he wants to bring forth out of his people into the earth prophecy is the spirit of and the testimony of jesus to prophesy is to bring the 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 person of christ into a situation his timing and his will and god has given that to us his people his ambassadors his bride his body and we're to speak this will of god into the earth with power and authority we represent heaven And this morning in our community, God has given us a prophetic word to move and to act upon with an expectation that if we move in what he says to do, he will perform it. What we bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. What we loose in the earth has been loosed in heaven. But he needs that mechanism to flow. Amen. Amen. And so we've got to let that flow, and we've got to speak it out this morning. Amen? Are you willing to do that with me? Some of you will have a voice. Some of you will use your hands. Some of you will use your feet. Some of you will pray. Some of you will sing. Some of you will act. Some will cook a meal for someone else right on time prophetically. How about that? Prophetic hamburgers or meatloaf, whatever the Lord leads. Believe me. I have had people speak of, of how the meals that some of you have prepared for them were exactly what they had prayed for. I mean, that's awesome. God will use anything to speak to our hearts. And so we go through our prophetic bulletin, and the first thing we saw that God wants to do is focused on family. What we see in our culture is that the family is absolutely Collapsed. Men have left the home. So many women are left now to raise a family. Children are are estranged from parents. Grandparents are raising grandkids. Stepfathers and stepmothers are raising others. I mean, the family is just in so many different dimensions. And the family is being utterly cast apart. But this is the critical mass of any society of any culture, and the Bible speaks of family. And that we have a father God, amen? And that we are brothers and sisters. And so if anybody gets family right, we should get it right. And this culture is begging and crying out. This, this age, this, this generation right now is looking for someone who will speak life to them. Because all they hear is a spirit of death. If you listen to the news, you listen to the radio, you listen to anything on on YouTube and and through the internet, it's a culture of death. We celebrate death in our movies, we celebrate death in our humor. We're watching a culture just disintegrate in front of us, and we're supposed to represent the family of God. And so, God is speaking to the church in this year to have a strong emphasis on families. If we would begin to restore the families that we have, again, like I said, they come in all sorts of forms and collections, don't they? And we just got to figure out how to work from there and build with what we got. But the dynamic of family is still essential. And if the church would begin to move and emphasize in families, the family unit will begin to reemerge as a primary building block in our society. Many are going to desire what it takes to deliberately raise strong and healthy family structures. This is a huge opportunity for the church, for us, to arise and help disciple parents on how to fulfill their God-given role as household leaders. It's going to take leadership. That's what family's about, impartation, leading, instructing, mentoring. That's really what it's about, loving and edifying. And so that's what God's building within us. We will be viewed as a source of strength on how to give practical insights to form stable families. That's what God wants to do with us. Now some of you have said, hey, I already did that. (laughs) They're out of the house. I'm done. But you're not done. We've got a community here of young people who don't feel like they fit in. They can't find a foothold into this service. Once they leave the youth group, they come in here on Wednesday nights and they feel completely estranged. They're not relating to each other. No one's talking to them. We've got children here and these children need to know that Jesus loves them and you love them. They got a lot more energy than we do. So tolerate it and love them. But we can't say we're done with family. You can't say that. And I know some of you here thought you were done, and guess who knocked on your door and came back home? <laughs> Mom, Dad. Some of you unexpectedly are raising grandchildren. They need you. We need each other. So the family model is the nucleus, and, and you look all through Scripture as to how God defines the body of Christ, and it's family. It's family. And so we need to learn these dynamics from a father. You may not have had a very good father. You may not have had a very good mother. So it's time for you to get healed. And the only place you're going to get healed in that dynamic is in a family, a new family. This is going to push and pull on some of you. And God is going to highlight some of your woundedness. Believe me, some of you have authority issues. Because of whatever relationships with parents and those in authority. This is your first authority structure in life, is your parents. So you reject that authority figure, then you go to the next, your teachers. You reject that, and you go further and further, and then you end up n- uh, with the police. Uh, right, come on now. Am I right? Yeah, amen. And then from the police, you decide, well, i I got to get out of this situation. I think I'll go in the army. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, Hello? Are we going to deal with this or not? All your life you're dealing with authority issues. So often I'm attacked because I'm an authority issue over your life. And it's not me, it's what's wounded in you. And so what we have to work on is healing up those wounds in a family situation, loving each other. And so with that, it's going to take a role of authority and leadership, and that's the second point that God's speaking to us. He's calling you to have apostolic dynamics. This church has an apostolic dynamic in it. Many of the things we do, other churches are coming and saying, how do you do this? Why do you do this? Can you show us how? And so we have an apostolic leadership as a people, in general and as a whole. So the Lord is calling us to turn our attention in family restoration to an apostolic lead with the fivefold ministry gifts. What do apostles do? Apostles lay foundations. They build. They build up and then they sustain those works. They have wisdom and discernment. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4:15, "Even though you have 10,000 teachers, you have few Fathers. He's talking about an apostolic sense. If you're gonna start something, you need to sustain it. That's what a father can do. Right? True fatherhood, true apostolic. I mean, you can get a girl pregnant, you gotta maintain that child. Am I right? Shouldn't a father sustain that which he gives birth to? It's the same with us. You start something, sustain it, complete it, work it, and that's what we need to do as a people. The work we've begun, he's able to complete, right? He's a good father. And so this apostolic gifting represents the father's heart. And it will be called to take the lead in restoring and building strong church families. So what we model here is going to be a model somewhere else. What you model in your home must become a model for your neighbors, How you model raising your children, will model that in the schools, in elementary school and high schools. Do you understand that as Christians, we have an apostolic leadership responsibility? So take authority. Some of you may not have the apostolic call. You might be prophetic, you might be evangelistic, you might be a shepherd or a teacher. But still again, we have the responsibility to take the lead you're the only one saved in your family, guess who's the apostle to the family? Right? And so God's calling us to the apostolic, which is, which is the tip of the spear, which goes forward, which brings kingdom culture into places where they haven't been. That's apostolic. And then you plant that culture of the kingdom where you work, and then you begin to sustain that kingdom work. How many of you have a job? Anybody? Anybody? Everybody got a job? Okay, you have a job. Good. You're the apostle in that job of the kingdom. You bring culture kingdom to that job. Maybe, you, maybe you're a florist. Maybe you cut roses. Maybe you do, I don't know, arrangements. Do it all unto the glory of God, right? And so when you walk into work and the little bell on the, on the front door rings, you're here, hello, or you punch in the time clock, the apostle of that place is set up and the culture of God's kingdom has just entered into that realm. And everybody that comes around you begins to hear language of the kingdom. They hear the language of Jesus Christ. They don't hear doubt, fear, and gossip. They hear edification, exhortation, and they hear comfort. You begin to prophesy. You begin to speak the kingdom language. That's what apostles do. And it's about time that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ became apostolic again in this nation. This nation is hungry for someone to lead them. Look at what we've got leading us now. We need Jesus Christ leading us. Would you agree? Do you think there needs to be kingdom culture in this land where we work? That's the apostolic dynamic. You speak the kingdom, you bring the kingdom forth. So God is asking us to build families, to build a family structure and a unity that has the synergy of biblical family and then fathering through apostolic dynamics the kingdom of God into this earth. That's going to take reformation. It's time for change. How many of you are ready for it? It is time for change. And this change has got to begin in the house of God. It's time for a reformation. You know, the church had gone so far astray in the early ages, the 12 to the 1400s, the, the church had gone so far from the gospel, we almost lost the key to salvation. We thought it was becoming a member of a church wasn't until the, the, the 1500s when, when the Reformation came along. And Martin Luther t- nailed up his 90, uh, five, 99 Theses, right? And, and from that, Reformation happened. But it didn't go as full as it should have. And God is looking for a Reformation in the church. In the 20th century, you had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit around the globe. In North Korea, in, in uh, Wales in uh, california in the azusa street throughout the united states revival hit do you know that revival is hitting powerfully right now in the southern hemisphere and over in the east but the embers have long cooled here in the united states well how many of you know it's time for a change what god's going to bring together is that reformation from the 1500s and that reformation from year 2000 and bring the word and the spirit together now for a synergy that's going to be overwhelming in these last days the power of the word and the power of the spirit combining together to bring a reformation that's going to change the way we do church it's going to change the way we pray it's going to change the way we walk it's going to change the way we talk and it's going to make all of us uncomfortable god help us i hope so I really do. I hope this thing blows us away. You can't escape a tsunami. And when it comes, all you can do is get wet. And go where it takes you. How many of you want a move of God like that? Amen, Amen? you can't handle this thing. You can't manage this thing. It, it, It can't be engineered by men. So we need to begin to pray for this reformation that's coming. God is ready to punch through situations that we've prayed over, cried over, lamented over. And we're going to move into reformation of the spirit, and it's not about changing our doctrine. It has nothing to do with doctrine. It's going to combine doctrine and spirit with such power like never before. We're not going to have time to argue about predestination, election, uh, and all these issues because there's so many people that need to get saved that we're going to have to just bring that spirit of family and apostolic leadership to these people. Of course doctrine's important, but I think by now we've kind of got this one down, don't we? 2,000 years of debating over these things. Where there is peace, there's debate. Where there's tribulation, there's the fire of God. Where all these revivals are happening is they don't have time to debate the nuances of little things here and there they're simply preaching the gospel and getting people saved amen god will sort out the rest we can we can have reformed and pentecostals working together to raise the kingdom amen why not there's going to be a distinctive blowing of the horn a shofar blows the signal and a call to battle and a call to worship But worship isn't going to be a seminar. Worship isn't going to be a part of a service. Worship isn't going to be an entertainment experience. It's not going to be dependent on the band, the song, or the lighting. Worship is going to be a lifestyle that we can't escape. Worship is going to be where we fall on our knees at bus stops or at work. We'll have to take us, instead of taking a smoke break, we've got to take a glory break. Because God is so on you that you have to stop for a minute to just, oh my gosh. Amen? Amen. It's going to be such an anointing on his people that there's a reformation coming. How many of you want a reformation on your life? I don't want the same. We work so hard for status quo, don't we? We work so hard to keep everything level. And I love when Jesus comes and ruins it all. He says, I don't look like that. What do you look like? And he shows himself, and you go, oh my gosh, I got it wrong. We're going to operate with a two-edged sword, the word and the spirit flowing through us. There's going to be a recalibrating of our mindsets to decree and to declare together the truths of God's kingdom. I can't give you a day or an hour but it's going to be progressively moving in our midst. Some of you are going to be upset because it gets too loud. Then those are going to be upset because it gets too quiet. And we're not going to know how to behave. We're going to try and write books about the seven principles on how to work in this Reformation. And two weeks later, the book will be no good. I pray for such a move of God that we just can't get a hold of it. I really do. So that we have to be so dependent on what he says and how he's acting. And we, we can't wait to get together in our huddle on a Sunday or maybe on a Wednesday and we come together just to hear what God is saying for my Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then come back again, hear what God's doing, get a word from the Lord for my Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So it's a reformation that's coming. I, I, I wish I could paint the picture. I wish I could write it out. But if I did, then I'd know and then I'd do something with it and I'd have my fingerprints on it and God would say, I don't want to use it. This thing has got to be purely of the Lord. And so what we've learned so far, we'll try to apply and God will take that and use it and he'll cause us to ride the wave with him. So in order for that to happen, he's going to speak identity and destiny into us. Identity is essential as a believer. God spoke to us this morning through the prophetic on our identity. He said who you were. He said who he is. If you understand who he is, you'll understand who you are. And God demonstrated that. Jesus demonstrated that with Peter. He asked his apostles, who do men say that I am? what's the buzz what's the feed what's trending now on jesus i said well let's see um some of you think you're uh that prophet that uh, moses spoke of in the last days some of you think jeremiah's uh, speaking isaiah speaks of this uh some of you think you're that you were john the baptist come back to life well that's kind of weird all right So we look at all the opinions of men and then he says this, he asks his disciples. So you know you can see every year at Easter we see Time Magazine, Jesus is on the front cover at Christmas, they put him on the cover and then they try to dispute all his claims over and over again. So the world is still trying to figure that question out, still coming up with goofy ideas. But then he says to his church, to his followers, who do you say that I am? And only one of them spoke up. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus says, bingo, you got it right, Peter, but you didn't figure that out on your own. That's a revelation from the Father. And then, once Peter identified who Jesus was, Jesus identified Peter, and he said, thou art Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, your confession of who I am, I'm going to build this church. So the building, the apostolic authority of the church culture and kingdom to come into a community has to start with us identifying who Jesus is so he can identify who we are so the kingdom can have its foundation. And that's what he wants to do in us. So who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? You don't make him Lord, he is Lord. You don't make him king, he is king. You need to find and adjust your life to that reality. And once you do, he'll call out that identity in you. There's an identity in each one of us that you have not even begun to flush out. You can't even imagine what you're going to be. We're going to get into heaven in a glorified body and, and Paul says we can't even comprehend what we're going to be. Right now we're like a seed. There we'll be in full bloom. We need to start blooming the manifestation of the sons of God. God sees you as what he made you to be and what you're going to be in full bloom. Right now, some of you are little teeny mustard seeds. But a mustard seed grows into this amazing bush that grows into an amazing tree. And that's what we are. Many of you, uh, there's so much growth yet to come and God is identifying you, but you won't accept it. He says you're a child of God, you're the righteousness of God, and you're like, no, I'm not, I'm no good, I stink. I'm such a loser, God can't use me. He wants to. He wants to. You got to speak the word of God, not your opinion of yourself. Your opinion of yourself was developed by all the junk that you grew up in and through. So don't stay there, because that's not what God has called you to. God's called you to a new identity. Through this information, the Lord, this reformation, the Lord is going to reveal how the enemy has robbed individuals of their identities, their destinies, and the riches found in Jesus Christ. I think of what John says. He says, let no man steal your crown. Let no man steal your crown. What does that mean? Let no man's opinion. Let nobody else stop you from fulfilling the work that you're to do for the Lord Jesus Christ, which you will be rewarded for. I don't want to be robbed by somebody else's opinion of what I'm supposed to be. Jesus wants me to do something. Do it. Amen? Don't let opinion or someone else rob you of what God's called you to do. Young and old alike are sincerely crying out for help because of the increasing disorientation they feel at the loss of destiny and identity. While the church is trying to conform to the world to bring more people into these pews, the church is losing its identity. So we don't change to attract the world. Can I tell you the most attractive thing to a world is love, joy, peace, goodness, mercy, gentleness, faithfulness, the very attributes of God's own nature every human heart craves. But we don't model that. We model that, hey, we're hip and cool and you can like Jesus with us. It's like pfft. how about we model the very character and nature of Jesus that every human heart longs for? And that's our identity. That's truly what holiness is. Holiness is defined in Galatians through the fruit of the Spirit, right? He's the what, What's the nature of the Spirit? He's called what? What's his first name? Actually, it's not his first name. What's his attribute? Holy. And so what is the fruit? The byproduct. The nature. So the nature of the Holy Spirit is listed in the fruit. That's the definition of holiness. But we make holiness the length of your hair and the length of your skirt. That's not holiness. It's modesty. That's culture. But God is identifying us as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The reason we're so separate and distinct is because we model the nature of God's own spirit. When someone is in need, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness steps in. When you step in the room, the nature of God steps into a room. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? That's who you are. You're a vessel of honor. What does a vessel carry? The very presence of God. Maybe you're not that good at presenting it, but you're still presenting it. It'll get better. So keep working on it, because each of you has a destiny. And so this is the season for the church to be bold. We will be diligent to respond to the cries. We will have the answers and the authority to help this generation to rise above the enemy's attacks. People are looking for something that is above this mess. And the church has got to rise. In our prophetic bulletin, there's a a, a really interesting word concerning women. As a response to this need, the Lord is highlighting women and transforming them into ferocious warriors for his glory. These women are being groomed to go into the enemy's camp to do major damage to the mountains of influence. The enemy will work hard to keep them blinded to the power they have at their disposal, but God's will shall be accomplished. Women, that's for you. You should get an amen on this. That's weak. God is calling you, all right, God is calling you, God is calling you. He's putting a fire in women. You already see it happening in the culture, don't you? All of a sudden, women are speaking up, women movements are going, right? God is going to fill women with such a voice of authority and power. And I want to tell you why. There's a uniqueness in the role that women have fighting the devil, Who was the first deceived? Eve. I believe women have a a level of discernment for the work of the enemy. It was built in all the way back in that garden. They were deceived by that serpent, and the the woman's seed will crush the head of that serpent. And women have this woman's intuition. (laughs) The way you were made. Wonderfully and fearfully made. But there's a spiritual component to it that women can discern where the enemy's moving. And ladies, it's about time for you to stand up and start using your authority and your power. The only reason the church is sustained so long is because women continue to to uphold families and pray for people to get saved. Almost everybody here got saved because your grandma's been praying for you for how long? Mothers praying and so forth. Now, apostolically and men fathering, you need to take your position. But that's what's amazing about this prophetic bulletin. It's saying men are going to father and lead, and women are going to stand up and storm heaven and rescue people through prayer and through the prophetic. Amen? That's going to make a strong church. So out of all this identity and destiny, discernment is the key. It's important to not get entangled in movements that impart false identities that are not from God. It really irks me when believers get caught into side movements, other movements that begin to teach these oddball, weird, other things. And the reason they do is because they're looking for more out of their church and there's nothing there. So they get caught up in some other legalistic aspect or some other interesting, uh, mysterious teaching so they look for it, and they get into it, and they get all excited because they're so sick of the mundane Christianity they've been a part of. They think they must have missed it. The problem is they didn't miss it. The problem is it's just been boring. It hasn't had the power and the anointing of God in it. It speaks about uh, uh, the the power, but it it, it speaks of the Christianity, but it lacks the power in the spirit of God. I don't want to be that church. How about you? I don't want to be that church. Anybody? 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 Anybody there? I'm going to be nice. Our roots must go deeper than the spirit of offense that deafens the ear and blinds the eyes of its victims. Although the people will shout, side with me, you belong to us, look at me. Believers need to rise above the tensions and the identities which politics seek to divide. I think we've got more people passionately involved. when ele- I hate elections because I lose my congregation every year we have an election. Everybody comes, becomes so more enthralled in, in politics than kingdom. As if the politics are going to bring the kingdom. Whoo, good thing. Whoo, good thing we got who we got elected because now Jesus can get done on earth what needs to be done. Woo! what would we do without our parties here in America? Are you kidding me? But that's how we think. We get caught up in anything, right? Isn't there a Super Bowl coming up too? I think it's next week. Somebody's playing somebody else to win. That's exciting. We go from event to event when the kingdom of God, moment by moment, is here. And, and we're just stuck in our culture. Man, it's sick. But you're not going to be. God is calling out a people who are saturated in his presence and whose spiritual ears can hear his voice. They're the ones whose primary identity is in him. They obey even when it goes against the world and the world desires to categorize you as one of them. But the Lord says, no way. And you're going to cry out, I choose God over this. Amen? Amen. We're going to be a people who, who others think we're nuts because we choose Jesus instead amen now so what that means with identity and destiny is we're going to have to press forward and finish assignments we've got to move forward this reformation is coming it's time to pace ourselves the the pace is going to go into an acceleration we had uh, uh apostle bob king with us uh two Thursdays ago uh speaking of what's going on he he uh Uh, ministers throughout the world and and uh, uh, goes to apostolic conferences to hear what's going on around the world and the word that is being spoken of is the acceleration by which the kingdom is moving with such force such acceleration you're going to have to hold on to your seat because god is going to move fast and he's going to move quick So we've got to get ready to press forward in many ways of the Spirit. Grab hold and run the race. No more wasting time. Every moment counts. Every word counts. And we're going to take full advantage of the time allotted to us. The Lord's encouraging His church to press forward like never before and to be careful to not look back. Our gaze and our posture posture should be forward-looking in every way. When I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think of Lot and his wife. huh? And Abraham prayed and prayed, couldn't find ten righteous, so the angels went on to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So he pulled out the only righteous there he could. There's four of them, Lot and his wife and his two daughters. He pulls them out. Now, Lot was a righteous man. Peter says he was vexed by what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah and that he would preach, and he tried to be a light in that city. If there is any example of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the Christian in 21st century United States. If you don't believe we're in Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't know where your head's at. Because we are. Now, I'm hoping your spirit is vexed by what culture we're in and that you're trying to impact it. But what amazes me is as Lot is leaving they said, the angels told them, don't look back. So they're running. I mean, you'd run too when a fireball from heaven begins to explode over an entire city. Man, they're racing out of there. Now, they got their kids. We don't even have a name for the lady. Lot's wife. <laughs> Maybe it was Betty. I don't know. But Betty... What did she have to look back on? Was it to see the fire? Was it to see the move of God? When God specifically said, don't look back. I would think obedience would be key to this. And she's running and she's looking back. Is her heart there? And so when God's move comes brothers and sisters, in our midst as he says it's going to happen. How many of you are going to look back? I think of the Israelites who left Egypt and thought, man, I really miss the leeks and onions. Really? You got beat every day? And you care about the seasoning in your food? That's a sad situation. But how many of us are looking back? How many of you hear someone tell their testimony and all of a sudden their testimony of what they used to be is more romantic about, you know, I remember what I, oh man, I remember. Dude, you're spending too much time there. Can we get to the part that Jesus saves? No, we're gonna move forward. And what I want from all of us, and I pray that we're gonna move so forward, we're gonna say, I'm not even looking back to January. January what, 2018? I forget. What do I care about that? I'm here in what's happening around us and among us. Amen? I have to keep going. We need to finish our assignments. The Lord is highlighting the word release during this uh, season. So you're going to need to finish assignments. You're going to realize that this thing's moving forward. So now, all of you, the people God told you to talk to, stop delaying it and talk to them now. The things you have on the fire and on the back burners that you always wanted to accomplish and you needed to finish, Finish them. Get moving on. Stop holding them so precious and so nice. Finish them. Might not be as good as you want, but finish them. Get it done and move on. Some of you are such perfectionists. You can't just get it right. It's just not going to be good enough. It's just, I want it better. You know what? You've been doing it for 15 years. You got better ideas coming. Get rid of the old ones and start on the new ones. But finish your assignment. During this season, it's important to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to finish the assignments that he's entrusted to you. Begin to list what you should finish so you can move on then. I'm serious about this. Go home today. Make a list of what you need to complete and get out of the way so you can clear the decks for this move that God has. Does that make sense to you? We're going to go deeper in hearing God's voice. The Lord's going to take us on a journey going deeper in his love, so we'll love each other and him in a greater way. Through a purging and purification process, he wants to remove the idols in our lives and captivate our hearts. He wants us to only reflect as what's seen in Jesus and his glory on us. So guard your heart and pray without ceasing. Build deeper intimacy with the Lord and go deeper. Many believers will lose heart and say, where's God? Doubt will enter in. They'll question his character and his judgments. They may be led astray by listening to those that are deceived, but you who will go deeper will be able to stand and watch and see the glory of God and be a help and an aid to others. We're in a season where there's a falling away from the church because, again, of boredom and and people not seeing the move of God. They need a people who will be bulwarks, people who will be solid, who can speak into their lives. Because last of all, the last point is there's a harvest coming that is going to be amazing. It's going to move at an accelerated pace. The people who are deeper and apostolic are going to speak into these things. We're going to have an identity of who Jesus is so clearly that people are going to have a marked distinction to know that I need to get saved and they're going to come to you and say, how do I get saved? And you're not going to hand them a track. You're not going to hand them a book. You're not going to hand them an MP3. almost said CD. You're going to speak it out of your own mouth and life is going to come out of you. Get ready. The harvest is going to be great. We are the harvesters in this field. Stumbling blocks of doubt and unbelief are going to be moved out of the way because this culture cannot sustain itself. This insanity cannot sustain. Lives are being broken daily. People are being crushed under under the stupidity of what is morality out there and what is life out there and that cannot be sustained. And I want to tell you one thing. Where sin abounds, grace will always super abound. It will much more abound. You are the vessels of that grace. Get ready as people come to you. You're going to mentor them. You're going to disciple them. This generation will do great and mighty things in the days to come. And you're going to have compassion to show people. We're going to become selfless, generous, and kind. We're going to fill people's needs. And in order to fill people's needs, you got to get your eyes off of possessions so that when God blesses you with what He's giving you, you're willingly giving it away. You're not going to store it up for yourself. You're not going to buy the extra Winnebago. you got four of them now. You don't need that. You're going to start giving them away. God is going to pour into you so that you can pour into others, and people are going to receive This is what I believe is happening. This is what we're putting forth as a congregation. We're going to become more of a family than ever before. We are going to be apostolic and lead in this community because a reformation is coming to the church that is going to hit us and identify who we are with a destiny that's going to be forward. And as we move forward, we're finishing assignments so that we can go deeper and unencumbered because there's a harvest coming for us to gather under the glory of God. Can you see say amen this morning. Amen. Stand with me this morning.